<clears throat> Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Corey assisting me today. Uh, we are the brothers from the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a timely lesson for the brothers and sisters today. It's called Operating with Wisdom in the Truth. Today, brothers and sisters, we, we're going <clears> to... <throat> We're going to try through the spirit of the Most High in Christ to give some biblical principles of how to interact with others, uh, how to walk without trouble in the truth, using your wisdom. Because why? When you <clears throat> have that knowledge of good and evil now, like Eve had, Eve had that knowledge of good and evil. And what did she do? She used it against her husband. We're not bringing this up to say, you know. We're, we're looking to blame Eve or women. It, it had nothing to do with that. She was, she was an innocent. She was an innocent party in the matter. She was deceived. But we're trying to show you that when you have the knowledge of good and evil, there's you can either use it for good or you can use it for evil. Now that you're in the truth, you know certain holidays are unlawful. Certain foods are unlawful. Uh, going to church on Sunday is unlawful. Now that you have the knowledge of good. And evil, because all you had was evil before. You didn't know what good was until you got into the truth. So now that you have both, how do you use it, utilize it and work forward in the, in the gospel? We're going to go into that, brothers and sisters. We're going into the biblical principles of how we should operate with wisdom in the truth. We're going to Isaiah 33 and 6. Isaiah 33 verse 6. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. And strength of salvation. The fear of the Most High is his treasure. Brothers and sisters, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. This is how you'll stabilize, brothers and sisters, in Jacob's trouble, in the last days. Wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge of what? The wisdom of knowledge of the Most High. Of salvation. Of fearing the Most High God. So, wisdom will get you through hard times. It's not going to matter how much money you have. <clears throat> When, when when the jackboots come, when the governments come to kick the doors in, when they're coming to destroy, the wisdom and knowledge that you have and the relationships that you've built are going to be what's going to get you through in, into the second coming of Christ. So we're going to go into some of the wisdom that's going to assist you on this walk so you can be a po in a positive posture and work forward for the Most High God. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. New Testament, brothers and sisters. First Corinthians 3 and 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Brothers and sisters, we're not talking about all wisdom. We're going to give you the wisdom of the Most High, the wisdom of the gospel. Because why? You can have knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge. You can have knowledge of um, how a doorknob works. Is that going to help you uh, with the work? No. So there's a specific knowledge that the Bible is going to go into that's going to help you on this walk when it says wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. It's not talking about worldly knowledge. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Why is the wisdom of this world foolishness with God? Because why? They didn't teach you how to fear the Most High God. The government don't teach you that. Your school, your education, your institutionalized educations, your your um, institutionalized religions, none of these, your science, none of these industries promote fear in the Most High God. That's why it's foolish, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 1 and 7 to prove that. 
Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Most High is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. So, brothers and sisters, fear of the Most High is the beginning of knowledge. I, I spoke with a brother a few weeks ago, and we were talking um, just about um, being a parent. And I, he asked me, do you want your children to fear you? And, you know, to some degree, I want them to fear the punishment, the judgment, not me per se. But fear is respect, brothers and sisters. That's the beginning of respect. You fear the most high. If you fear the most high, it's because why? You read into his judgments that come with scorning his law. So fear is the beginning of respect. I fear my mother. I'm, a, I'm an adult. I don't, you know, I'm an adult. And my mom couldn't physically hurt me. But I still fear my mother because it's a, it's a, it's a level of respect. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 7. The fear of the Most High is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, brothers and sisters. So you got to know who's going to receive the information that you may be able to uh, bestow upon them and who's not. Because some people are not going to, no matter how many scriptures you're going to pull out, they're not going to receive it. And you got to understand those who will receive it and who will not receive it. If you don't believe in the Most High God, I'm not talking to you. If you say there's no God, I don't have any reason to teach you about the Sabbath or not eating pork. I, I don't have anything to say in regards to this. I'm not saying I can't have a conversation outside of this, but I'm not. If you don't believe in Christ, you don't believe in the Most High, peace, brother. Peace. So, brothers and sisters, we've got to know, you know, which battles to pick. We're going to go to Jeremiah 16 and 16. Jeremiah 16, verse 16. Behold, I will send for many fishers, said the Most High. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. Behold, I will send for many fishers, said the Most High, and they shall fish them. And after will I send them, will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them for every mountain and from every hill and out of every hole of the rocks. Brothers and sisters, the Most High said he would send many fishers. This is what we're in the time of fishing, brothers and sisters, fishers of men. We're looking to reap fruit back to the most high, taking this gospel in meekness and humility. Right. And trying to sow seeds amongst the brethren, amongst the brethren. That's that's what a fisher does, brothers and sisters. After that will be time for the hunting. But right now you have to be you have to become skilled in fishing. You must be a skilled fisherman because why a skilled fisherman knows how to use different baits. You must certain fishes are deep down low, so you need a different sinker. Sometimes you need a different smelling bait or a different colored bait. You can't just use the fake worm on everything. It'll work sometimes, but a lot of times you're gonna have to change your bait, brothers and sisters. So you need to we need to have the wisdom to become a skilled fisherman. Any skilled fisherman knows that salmon, tuna, right, bass, they don't take the same bait. And they don't swim in the same waters. So you must be able to be versatile in your fishing, brothers and sisters, and not do this thing one way. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 16. Behold, I will send many fishers, said the Most High, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and from every hill and out of holes of the rocks. Right. So right now we're fishing. This is fishing season, brothers and sisters. When Christ come back... He's going to call for the hunters. 
which are going to get this this earth in subjection under the spirit of Christ. So right now we're fishing, brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be fishing. What are we fishing? We're going to show you. Go to Matthew 4 and 18 and show you what we're fishing, brothers and sisters. Matthew 4 and 18. For Christ walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right, brothers and sisters, he told them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We're going to listen. We're going to use these boats. Because look, if you had a boat back then, you, you know, you had some level of, you know, substance there because that was the equivalent of having a seven you know a 747 jet if you had a boat so Christ said listen we're going to clean out this boat clean out this smell and we got you're going to take me all over this place we're going to become fishes of men that's that's what that's what we should be doing brothers and sisters we should be fishers of men and that brings up you know the point of that that um that miracle that Christ did with the with the fish, the two fish and the loaves of bread, that was a strong testimony, brothers and sisters, to some men who he told to drop your nets and I'm gonna make you fishers of men. These men were fishers, so for him, for them to see that minuscule amount of fish feed that many people, that was a testimony to those brothers. So anybody who you know tries to demean Christ or the spiritual significance behind his parables, behind his miracles. Understand you're dealing with the devil, brothers and sisters. Can you read that from the top, brother? Verse 18. And Christ, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So right away they dropped their nets and followed him. And that's once you get this truth, you have to drop everything you're doing. And become a fisher of men, a fisher of women, brothers and sisters. That's Christ said this is the time to fish. So you must become skillful in your fishing. Perfect that craft of fishing, brothers and sisters. Because the truth, just because you have the scriptures, doesn't mean somebody's going to receive it from you. Just because the scriptures are there. Because why? The scriptures were there before you knew them. And people weren't receiving them. So it's not just about it being true. Just because it's true doesn't mean, or because you can prove it doesn't mean somebody's going to, you know, receive it. So you must understand that you must know the personality of the fish. Skilled fishers know the personalities of the fish, what the fish like to eat, you know, when they're jumping, when they're most active, after rain or wherever. Romans 12 and 18. Romans 12. Verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Right. So, brothers and sisters, in this truth, we must be peaceable of all men, whether it's Jew or Gentile. That means not start quarrels. Right. We must be able to be skillful and not abrasive. When we're dealing with the truth, when we're teaching brothers and sisters. So we must we must learn how to do that. How do we bring forth truth and not offend? I can be amongst anybody, whether it's a, a sinner or, you know, whether a sinner 
or somebody following the truth. There's some things, right, brothers and sisters, that you're going to have to be able to have a, you know, a long leash on. Because why? You're supposed to read it one more time, brother. Verse 18. <clears throat> if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Right. We must be peaceable with all men. So understand that first. There must be a gentleness while you're fishing, brothers and sisters. You can't offend people to try because they're doing something wrong. You must be peaceable. We're going to show you uh, Matthew 10 and 16. Matthew 10 and 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. See, brothers and sisters, we are sheep in the midst of raven and wolves. We must be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So as you're fishing, brothers and sisters, you must be harmless. You must be wise. Right. You must be harmless. You must be wise. These are the things we need ingrained in our head, because I, I know when I, you know, was a young man coming into the truth in my, you know, my 21, I was really abrasive because I felt like it's the truth. So no matter how I presented it, it should be accepted. And that's that you're not skilled. You're a baby when you're dealing like that. And I understand that's just that's just your growth. You just grow through that. You know, it's something you'll grow out of eventually if you continue to be studious and study your record. But read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Right. So, brothers and sisters, we must be wise. We must be harmless. We must be gentle. We must be long suffering. We must be in the spirit of humility. This is there's wolves all around, brothers and sisters. And in order to do the work and show the true spirit of Christ and a follower of Christ, a child of the most high, you must be wise. You must be harmless because why some bringing certain scriptures and certain ideologies out of the Bible against somebody could be hurtful. It could be harmful to them. So we got to be very careful if, if you're not, you know, if you're not in that on that level or that position to be able to bring forth the truth without offending, then you need to just worry about learning for yourself until, you know, you're ready for tougher meat. Right now, you're just on milk. You, you need to be skilled before you go out there and try to fish, brothers and sisters. Because why? If you do some incorrect fishing, you may push somebody further away from the Bible. And you we would rather you just be patient, become skilled. And able to, you know, go amongst the wolves as a sheep and be wise and harmless without offending anybody and bringing them the truth. Can you read that one more time, brother, before we move on? Matthew 10 and 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Right. So that's critical, brothers and sisters. No matter how much knowledge you have, how many slave ships you know, or how much laws you know, or prophecies you know. You must be wise and harmless, brothers and sisters, not overbearing and self-righteous. We're going to go to Galatians 5 and 12. New Testament, brothers and sisters. Paul. Galatians 5 verse 12. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only, uh, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. 
but by love serve one another. So brothers and sisters, we got to know the, the love is the key law. We need to know that first because you'll have a lot of people who are looking to correct people or about a transgression. And the first thing you must understand is liberty. You must know your liberty within the law. And if you don't understand the liberty within the law or the law of the spirit, you're not in a position to correct anybody at this time. Correct yourself. So understand liberty first, because from the naked eye, certain things could look like a sin to somebody. But you don't know the liberty that they're dealing with because it's their personal liberty. So we need we got to be very careful. Can you read uh, 13 again, brother? Verse 13 for brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Right. So I, have to, I tell brothers and sisters all the time, you know, it's not about how long your beard is or if you have fringes on or if your head is wrapped. It's not. It's, I mean, those things are good. Right. But that's not going to get you into the kingdom, brothers and sisters. There's a deeper understanding. There's a deeper understanding than just, uh, you know, the carnality that you see. Continue, brother. Verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See, so love, brothers and sisters, is the key law. No matter how much you know, if you don't love thy neighbor as thyself, why does it say love thy neighbor as thyself? Because if do you want somebody to lie to you or kill you or steal from you? If you love them the way you want to be loved, then that's that's the beginning of that's the beginning of the gospel, brothers and sisters, because everything you do, everything you teach, bringing forth correction, all must be done through the spirit of love, brothers and sisters. If you break this one, you break them all. Continue, brother. Verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed, ye be not consumed one of another. Right. So, brothers and sisters, even if there is, you know, uh, discourse or disagreement, we need to be aware that we don't devour one another. Because why? A lot of times we'll get so angry to where a disagreement became now. I want to destroy your brother. Or I want to destroy your sister. Or I want to take their respect. Brothers and sisters, he's telling you, be, take heed that you be not consumed with one another. Continue, brother. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right. So, brothers and sisters... If you, if all you want to do is an examine other people and attack, that have become your gospel. That have become your gospel now because that's all you're looking to do. And brothers and sisters, you're gonna, you're gonna come across this as you're in the truth. And we hope that you're not one of the people that, that you know, that will be acting out this, these particular acts. This is the wisdom of walking in patience on the truth brothers and sisters these are the things you must implement these are the things that you're going to run across or come across that could lead you astray brothers and sisters so this is the wisdom brothers and sisters can you read verse 15 again brother <clears throat> verse 15 but if ye bite and devour one another take heed ye be not consumed one of another this i say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusted against the spirit. Right. So, brothers and sisters, the flesh lusted against the spirit. They, they fight each other. The Bible tells you what? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, it's, there's fighting against each other, brothers and sisters. And one thing we don't need to do is attack people, brothers and sisters, because we think they may be following something that you, could be a transgression. If you attack your carnal. 
That's not what we got the law for. We got the law to self for self-examination and for us to be a better person, not to go around and, uh, you know, become RoboCop of the Bible. Continue, brother. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that you would. Right. So you must walk in the spirit, brothers and sisters, because if you walk in the flesh, you're going to lead yourself back to before you were in the truth, brothers and sisters. You're going to not be following the correct holy days. You're going to go back to eating other, you know, unlawful foods. If you allow it, you're going to go back to being a fornicator. You're going to go back to being envious and an attacker and a slanderer, brothers and sisters. So be careful. And. Brothers say, you know, I have conversations with brothers and they say, man, you know, I feel like I've changed, but sometimes I feel like I want to go back and do what I used to do. Maybe I really didn't change. No, brother, you, you did change. You're always going to have that that feeling that's there. You have you're going to have that feeling that you want to do what's wrong. The only thing that matters is what you do. So just because you feel it in the back you know, of your head, the back of your heart doesn't mean that you haven't changed, because if you overcome it, it shows that you've changed. In fact, the fact, the reason that you see it shows that you've changed. Because at one point, you would have just did it without any thought. But now you can't. You examined it. You saw it. And now you're like, oh, wow. You see it from both angles. So you have to walk in the spirit, brothers and sisters, and not be carnal. Somebody who's carnal is looking to correct everything and everybody at any time for any reason. And that that's not walking in the spirit, brothers and sisters. So we bring this up because why? Now that you have that knowledge of good and evil, you know what's right now and you know what's wrong. Sometimes that leads people to lash out at others. And that's not walking in wisdom, brothers and sisters. Can you uh, read verse 18, brother? Verse 18. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, he's not saying don't follow the law. There is no law if you're doing what's right by your neighbor. That's what this is saying, brothers and sisters. If you're loving your neighbor... You're not under the law because why the law is for, you know, is instituted for when you break it. If you're not breaking it, then there's no law. That's not telling you to to, you know, just to break the law on purpose. So don't think that that's what's, you know, what's being said. We understand that, you know, Christians typically use Paul's writings, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians to say the law is done away with. And they'll use some of these scriptures to say, yeah. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I'll tell you this, brothers and sisters. If you're led by the Spirit, you're following the law. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you that you don't have to follow any laws. That's another Spirit. That's the Spirit of the fallen one, brothers and sisters. So if you're being led by the Spirit, then you're following the law. The Holy Spirit, she would not have you. <laughs> she wouldn't give you, you know, she wouldn't tell you not to follow the law. So Christians bring this up, this scripture time and time again and say, yeah, I'm led by the spirit. The most high know my heart. You know, I'm not under the law. You're not being led by the right spirit if you're, if you're claiming the spirit is leading you to not follow the law, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 18, brother. Verse 18. But if you be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, right. seditions. Right. So, brothers and sisters, one of the biggest envy is one of the biggest is one of the biggest and most, you know, most uh, 
colossal things in our life that will lead us uh, into more sin is envy, brothers and sisters. Brother, could you could you read Galatians five and seventeen one more time, please? Verse seventeen: For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Brothers and sisters, these are all workers of the flesh. If you're dealing with any of these things, you're not being led by the spirit. You're being led by the flesh, brothers and sisters. You, if you're dealing with hatred, if you're dealing with variance, which means you're just looking to pit people against each other or to argue. Wrath, we know wrath is um, like a, an unplanned lash out, you, an outburst, you know. Uh, sporadic outbursts against somebody of anger. We know what strife is. We know what seditions are, brothers and sisters. We know what heresies are. Heresies is when somebody bring to you brings something that's against orth- your orthodox beliefs. They know what you believe, and they bring in you something else. That's a heresy, brothers and sisters. Envy. Envy is one of the biggest ones, brothers and sisters, amongst the nations of Israel. Because why? They the person doesn't know how much you hate them. <laughs> You could be around this person. You're probably thinking about destroying this person because why? There's envy. So we deal with this a lot in, you know, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, brothers and sisters. These are the things that are, are you know, product of following the flesh. Continue, brother. Verse 21. Envying, murthers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. So, brothers and sisters, if you're dealing with any of those uh, transgressions, you, you need to put it down because you will not inherit the kingdom of the Most High God. It doesn't matter how much scriptures you know. If you're dealing with any of those uh, attributes or characteristics, you are w- walking backwards. You're walking away from the kingdom, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against against such there is no law. These are the fruits of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. These are the things that we should be looking to uh, perpetuate. These are the things. If you're going to deal in wisdom on this walk, doing the gospel, doing the work, sowing the seeds, being a fisher... These are the attributes you must be able to apply. Can you continue, brother? Verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. When did that happen? When we got baptized, brothers and sisters. That's when it began. Continue, brother. Verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Provoking one another. Read that again, brother. Verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Right. So, brothers and sisters, let's not be desirous of vain glory. What vain glory? The vain glory that comes with pointing out what somebody else is doing that you think is wrong. So you're pretty much just saying, you know, you know, I'm a teacher. Follow me. Do you know that that's vain glory. You want to show that you know something and 
the way that you get some level of recognition is by dancing on your brother's grave. So you'll find something that you think is wrong with a brother or a sister. And then before everybody, you'll look to smear him and say, listen, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You're wrong about this and that. Why? So so people can what follow you now because you know what somebody's doing is wrong. That's provoking one another, envying one another. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Right. So, brothers and sisters, we need to be critical of this particular scripture, because why? You have the knowledge. You have more knowledge, probably than 90 percent of people walking on earth. So with that, sometimes we can become puffed up and we see, you know, right and wrong all over now, because now we have the knowledge. We're being led by the spirit. But if you're being led by that spirit, that is the most that is, you know, the Holy Spirit wisdom, then you're not dealing. You're not dealing like this because Christ never pointed out to somebody in specific what they were doing. What Christ did was bring forth the truth and allow the person who may be transgression to examine their self against what's being brought forth. Not you coming to somebody telling them, yeah, this that you're doing is wrong. Where, where in the Bible is that, brothers and sisters? Where in the Bible is that? So be careful, brothers and sisters, around people who are looking, whether they're a teacher or not, whether they're an elder or not, somebody who's just looking, you know, to have some vainglory by... You know, stepping on his brother's head or stepping on his sister's head to show I'm more righteous than you. Don't be self-righteous, brothers and sisters. Let's go to let's go to Hebrews uh, 10 and 16, brother. We're going to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verse 16, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 10 and 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Most High. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. Right, so the Most High will put the law into our hearts, so you know what's right. You know what's wrong. So, brothers and sisters, understand that you don't need to bash people with the, t- with the Torah, with all these laws. Understand that a lot of times they know it's already wrong. And if they know it's wrong, what do you think you pointing it out to them is going to do? It's going to infuriate. So if somebody doesn't know what they're doing is wrong, that's something different. But the Most High put the laws in our hearts. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Most High. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. Right, because you don't get the spirit of the law through just following Moses, uh, you know, each word of Moses. Because why? The, the Most High didn't have as much mercy then. He did have mercy. There was the law of the Spirit, but they didn't understand it at that time. That's why Christ came, to show you the liberty within the law. So, brothers and sisters, even if somebody is doing a transgression uh, amongst you, that doesn't mean that it's time for you to correct them, because they may be dealing in the liberty of the law. Brother Corey, could you read Hebrews 10 and 16 one more time? Verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Most High. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Right. So, brothers and sisters, be careful before you look to judge somebody or correct somebody, because you may not know the liberty that they're working with. They may be forced to work on a Sabbath because they may lose their job, and they may have to do that. And they shouldn't have to look over their shoulder or try to hide about it because you, you you like Debo coming. When you come, everybody got to hide everything they're doing. 
They gotta hide everything when when you come around. That's not of the most high, and that's not using your wisdom. In fact, that's chasing people away from the truth. So while you're saying you're trying to build Christ, you're actually tearing Christ down by doing that. So we're gonna go today, brothers and sisters, into the wisdom and understanding while you're on this walk to the kingdom, doing the truth, doing the gospel, spreading the word, becoming a fisher. We're gonna to go to Matthew twelve and one. I'm going to give you a couple examples, brothers and sisters. Matthew 12, verse 1. At that time, Christ went on the Sabbath day through the corn. Now, on the Sabbath day, brothers and sisters. And his disciples were, were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of the corn to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it. But when who? The Pharisees saw it. Brothers and sisters, the Pharisees were a sect of Israelites. Who dealt with the laws of Moses strategically and strictly. So if you broke something that they thought was in the law of Moses. They were going to let you know about it. They would walk around with the law on a phylactery. And pull it out and say yeah you're breaking this. You're breaking that. You're breaking this. You'll, if, if, you, if you've read the Bible scholarly. Then you know that pretty much each time the Pharisees dealt with Christ. They were looking to do exactly what's going on here. Brothers and sisters. And it's, it's critical and pivotal. That you don't become the Pharisees. Because why? The Pharisees knew they were Jews. They knew that who they were. And they were still dealing in this spirit. So don't think because somebody now they know they're Israel that they won't act in this spirit. When these all these people knew they were Israel when they did this, brothers and sisters. Can you read verse 2, brother? Verse 2. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, have you not read what David did when he saw when he was hungered and that they and they that were with him? Right. So in the Old Testament, David, after um, being on the run and fighting, there was no food to eat his army. And they ate the bread, the showbread that was in the, you know, in the temple that was only for priests to eat because he knew which was actually unlawful. But he knew the liberty he needed to be able to fight and be the king and bring forth prophecy. So he wasn't just breaking the law, but he knew his liberty. He knew the liberty. And that was in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, to show you that there was liberty in the Old Testament. Because why? A lot of Christians will make you believe that the God in the Old Testament is some angry, you know, unorthodox, you know, uh, you know, quick to, quick to wrath God. They'll make you believe that the Old Testament God and the New Testament God is different. And it wasn't. The Most High had mercy even in the Old Testament. So right here, what Christ is saying is, listen, we're doing the work. We're baptizing. We're healing. And if we need to eat something in order to continue to do the work, that's what I'm going to do. Period. Here you are. You may be out on the streets, you know, on the Sabbath, preaching the gospel, teaching the people. And you may have, you may have a, uh, you know, it may be cold outside. You may have a coffee and a brother come up to you like, oh, you got coffee. Okay, brother. Happy Sabbath. Right. When really you you needed the coffee so you could stay out there another four or five hours for your people. So you got to be careful when you're looking to correct people, brothers and sisters, because you don't know that the liberty they're dealing with. We'll start. We're going to start at the first verse again, brother. We're going to read one through five. Verse one. At that time, Christ went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of the corn to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, behold. Thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him? 
how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. And have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? See, so they were saying you're not supposed to work. You shouldn't be taking corn off there. That takes work. When Christ said, so hold on. The priests, they're in the Sabbath. I mean, they're in the temple every Sabbath. Taking sacrifice, you know, uh, reading scriptures, giving people direction. Are they breaking the Sabbath because they're working? See, and that's what that's what Christ was trying to show them. They were dealing on a carnal level. They could only see what was going on carnally when really you should be working on what's inside of you. Let you know the outside is the outside. A lot of people won't work on the inside because why it can't be viewed from the outside. Other people can't see how you've been working on yourself from the inside. They can only see what you have on the outside. So a lot of people won't even work on the inside. They just need to build themselves up on the exterior to make people believe that they're righteous. Read verse uh, 5 one more time, brother. Verse 5. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? See? So the priests, they work on the Sabbath. Are they Are they wrong now? See, so you don't understand, you don't know, you know, the intricate details, the, 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 excuse me, pardon me, the meticulous details of certain situations and certain circumstances. So it's best, it would behoove you, especially, you know, if this is somebody you don't know, it's not a friend of yours, somebody who you deal with, you know, on a regular basis, to be careful when you're trying to correct people. Because you may just do the opposite of trying to bring them to the truth. You may be running them off the mark, brothers and sisters. So you need this wisdom of how to utilize this truth. Because if you use it incorrectly, you can lose every friend you have. You can lose your family members. So brothers and sisters, you must be critical and careful. You know, the Bible is a very serious, it's a very serious book. And it's, it shouldn't be joked and played around with. It's life altering. So we must have a level of respect in how we use the Bible. And only use it by the syllabus that the Bible tells us to use. Because some people will come into the Bible, get the knowledge, and then teach their own things out of it. And if you do that, you're misrepresenting and misusing the Bible. Use it how the Bible commanded us to use it. Let's go to John, brother, 8 and 4. The gospel, brothers and sisters, we're going to stick there. John 8, verse 4. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Here are the Pharisees again coming to Christ. Continue, brother. Verse 5. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? See, so this, see, so here they go. They are trying to say, well, Moses' law says she should be stoned. See? So see how the people, people can use the Bible for their own ulterior motives to say, well, you know, I just want to, you know, I just want to be doing the right thing like the Bible said. See, they'll always come like that. They'll come humbly. See, look, look at what they said. They said, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. But, you know, Moses' law commands us to do this. See, so they call the master. They already coming as if they're contrite. Right. Mm -hmm. This was all psychology, brothers and sisters. Brother, can you read verse? Uh, actually, start at verse three and let's go through it. Please. John 8 and 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the, mid, in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. 
Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what says thou? Right. So now Christ is going to show you the spirit of the law. We know that the law says that somebody should be stoned. Does that mean you have to be the person doing it though? Mm. See, that's the dif- that's the difference, brothers and sisters. This is not our position to be trying to correct everybody. Continue, brother. Verse six. This they said, tempting him. They were tempting him. See, they were trying to show that you know, even though he had a way that some people couldn't understand at that time because it was a new doctrine, they were trying to show him before everybody as somebody who was actually going against the Bible. So you'll have people use the Bible against the Bible. They'll do that, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Christ stooped down, and with his fingers wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. Right, so they were looking for him to, what they thought was transgress Moses' law. So then they could build an account on him. They were building an account on him this whole time. But by the time Christ was uh, taken before the Romans, they had a plethora of different um, accusations on him. So they were just taking up a tally of all the things that they could use against this man, against Christ. Continue, brother. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lift up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Right. So a self-righteous hypocrite judges the sins of others while overlooking his own. And that's what was going on here, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lift up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by another. Right. So they were embarrassed. They were convicted in their own conscience. Because why? Some of these very same men probably dealt with this sister and didn't get caught. But now you want to grandstand, see? That's, that's the, you got to watch those kind of people, brothers and sisters. With the people that, when, when you're in transgression, want to grandstand now in your transgression, you need to watch out for that kind of person, brothers and sisters. If they're looking to show it before the world, and, then you need to be careful of that kind of person. Even if they're not doing it to you. Because if they're doing it to somebody else, they'll do it to you, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Can you read verse 9 again, brother? Verse 9. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Christ was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Christ had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman... He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Christ said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Right. So, brothers and sisters, Christ showed mercy. He was showing grace. He was showing long suffering. He was showing patience. He was showing you the spirit of the law. Because why? He said, Sin no more. Therefore, he knew that it was a sin. And he wasn't overlooking that, but he had part of judgment is what grace that is judgment. You can have judgment to do something to somebody or you can have grace as judgment. See, that could be the verdict. Also, just because you need to judge somebody, you can have grace in that judgment. You don't even want to know that, though, do you? You don't want that part, do you? So, brothers and sisters, Christ was showing you the spirit of the law, even though she was wrong. And he acknowledged it. She said, listen. Sin no more because 
I'm not going to continue to save you. See, that's grace, brothers and sisters. That's grace. And we need to learn how to, on this spiritual walk, use this particular, uh, this particular type of wisdom. Know when to, you know, know when it's time and know when it's not time, brothers and sisters. And that will be more effective. The efficiency rating will, will, will go through the roof through your teachings and how much fruit you're bringing to the Most High. If you know when to say things and when not to say things. If you understand the liberty of the law, the spirit of the law, the love within the law. Not just trying to condemn people. Therefore, you're the authority. Let's move forward, brother. We're going to go to Matthew 15 and 1. We're going to read 1 through 3, brother, please. Matthew 15, verse 1. Then came Christ, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying... Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders? Our brothers and sisters, I examine this. We've just went into three separate instances, and the scribes and the Pharisees are always the person coming saying, Yo, you're breaking this law, or you're doing this, or she's doing this. Look at the spirit, brothers and sisters, behind this. If you see this from somebody, everything they have to say is what somebody else is doing wrong. It may not even be you, but they're telling you what everybody else is doing wrong. This is the spirit of a Pharisee, brothers and sisters. This is the spirit of a Pharisee. Look, check out what they're saying. Verse 2. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Right. So they were asking, listen, why aren't you following the laws of the elders? He didn't say the traditions of the Most High. He said the traditions of your elders. See, so here they go again. Now they're trying to pick. Why aren't you doing things the way we think you should be doing them? That's that's what they're saying. Why why aren't you you know doing what we think you should be doing? And Christ said, "Why are you breaking the Most High's commandments? You're talking about commandments, and you are not dealing in the spirit of love. You're not dealing in the spirit of understanding. You're dealing in the spirit of slander and envy, a murderer. See, so brother, jump down to uh, verse eight. Let's read eight through thirteen. Verse eight. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See? So you'll have people through their mouth, they claim that really why they're saying something or doing something or attacking a brother is because he really just wants somebody to be right. Yeah, I really wanted to tell the sister she was going the wrong way, but you know, nah. This is what they'll do. They'll From the outside, it looks like they're doing it for the right reason. They'll always use Christ. They'll always use the Most High. Well, the Bible said do this, didn't it? They'll always use that to cover because they're never going to tell you the true intent. Well, yeah, I just don't like her or I just don't like him or whatever. I just don't like the way his beard is or how his voice is. They'll never come and say that. So, brothers and sisters, the intent of the heart will be known. Uh, Brother, can you read Matthew 15 and 8 one more time? Matthew 15, verse 8. This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. So sometimes it's what's in your heart that will defile you, brothers and sisters. That's that's what the scripture is saying. Continue, brother. Verse nine. But in vain, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Right. See, so you have people teaching doctrines of men. You'll have people out there who whatever they think 
you should follow, they're going to tell you that. As if they know more than the Most High. Well, yeah, I know the Bible said you could do this, but, you know, it would really be better if you did this. No. No, sister. No, brother. Because you don't know better than the Most High. The Most High created you. He created me. He created everything we see. So I'm going to follow him. But see, the Pharisees had their own. They were trying to make a law within the law. They were trying to have people follow laws that even the most high didn't institute. So they can have some level of authority saying, yeah, they follow what I told them. See, you'll have that out there, brothers and sisters. And you need to make sure you don't become that. Because if you do, you're not walking in wisdom. And you're not going to be a fruitful worker. Read verse 9 one more time, brother. Matthew 15 and 9. But in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Right, so brothers and sisters, most importantly, correction must be based on the Most High's word, not your opinion. You must be careful here because it's easy to mix up your opinions or the way of doing things with God's clear commandments. They may not be one and the same. We sometimes inherit certain views from our upbringing or cultural notions about right and wrong. But we can't, you know, we can't impose those particular things on somebody else. And that's what you'll have out here, brothers and sisters. The Bible have enough laws for you to follow. You're not, we're not looking for somebody else that's going to, you know, try to make up laws that they think should be followed. No. But you'll have that out there. And we pray that you don't become one of those people because it happens every day, brothers and sisters. The Pharisees were a sect of Israelites, and that sect of Israelites still exists today. Everybody's not dealing in the spirit of Christ. You have a lot of them that's dealing in the spirit of a Pharisee. A lot, brothers and sisters, and you need to be able to know so you can know if that's the spirit of Christ or not. So correction must be based on the words of the Most High and not an outside source. Let's go to John 12 and 3, brother. Because this happened before. Somebody, we had Judas, who was the treasurer, who had a, a disagreement with Christ. And it caused him to, to, to give Christ up based on a disagreement. about Based on him trying to have Christ follow a law that the Most High didn't command. We're going to show you. Let's go to uh, John 12 and 3, brother. John 12, verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Christ, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? See, so he was, see, he was trying to be overly righteous. Here he, go, here he goes. He's saying... Listen, we could have sold that, that oil for 300 pence and we could have gave that to the poor. <laughs> so see, he, see how he's trying to make it seem like he's trying to be, you know, he's dealing in philanthropy when really, when you go into the actual story, he had some, an idea of what he wanted to do with the money. And to prove that to you, he went and got that same 300 pence. He went and got that same amount for giving Christ up to show you it wasn't about giving it to the poor at all. But he used it. He used it as a springboard to cover it. So, brothers and sisters, you'll have people hide behind the Bible, but really be throwing darts behind it. But use it as a shield. Can you read, can you read verse 4 again, brother? Verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. 
Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor. See, it wasn't even about him caring for the poor. That was a lie. Mm. But because he was a thief and had the bag and and borrowed what was put there, but what was put therein. Right. So, brothers and sisters, he didn't care for the poor. He was a thief. He was a thief. He was looking to take the money and use it for what he wanted to. But he used the Bible to grandstand. To, because why? Uh, most people could agree with giving money to the poor. So he found something that most people could agree with and say, you see there? You see that right there? See? So, brothers and sisters, make sure that we're not being the Judas. And if you have somebody around you that's picking out and pointing everything about everybody, even if it's not you, you need to examine that because it will be you. You need to examine that, brothers and sisters. This is the wisdom we need on the walk, brothers and sisters. Because a lot of people, when they're acting in this spirit, they don't even know it because it's a spirit. It's not like they're choosing to say, you know what, I want to go and say what everybody's doing wrong. They're being controlled by a spirit, brothers and sisters. They don't even, they, they're completely oblivious to how they're making everybody feel. So be careful, brothers and sisters, because why? There's an unlawful way to use the scriptures. And the Pharisees were using the scriptures unlawfully. We're going to touch on it today. A, self, a self-righteous hypocrite is more concerned about external, external conformity than with the true inner godliness. They just want to, sit, they want to appear before men or women as righteous. But really inside, they're not working at all on the inside. They have a beautiful house on the outside. You come in the inside, no furniture, walls falling down, carpet is terrible. The inside is, is atrocious. The outside is beautiful. Brothers and sisters, we have to work from the outside in. That's how we work. You change inside, it'll show on the outside, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Luke 6 and 41. And it's very important, brothers and sisters, because why? If somebody is breaking the law, right? And we were in ancient times, we were still a people, and you brought that forward, that actually could have them put to death. So it's a serious thing when you are trying to show that people are breaking the law, whether they're breaking it or not. Some of these laws, if we were still a people, would lead to death. And is that, that, is that really what you want? Is that, that, is, that, is that really what the intent was? You just don't like them. You want them destroyed. Not that you want them to change. You just want them destroyed. Is that what it is? We're going to Luke 6 and 41. Luke 6 verse 41. And why why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceiveth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Brothers and sisters, we must attend to our own shortcomings before correcting somebody else. We must. Because while we're doing all that, everybody else is looking at you like, you're doing this or you're doing that or you're not showing love. See, so brothers and sisters, let's deal with our own shortcomings. Deal with you and your house before you go outside. Get that under control before you go anywhere else. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 41. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceiveth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. See, and that will have you be patient when you're bringing judgment or trying to correct somebody. That's why I know there's always going to be things that I'm working on. So, I'm, you know, I'm relatively lethargic when it comes to correcting people on every little thing. Even if somebody brings something to my attention, oh, so-and-so's doing this and doing that. Okay, well, okay. 
you know. I'm not, that's not my position. My position isn't because I know that something's wrong, have to say, right? I have things that I'm dealing with. Each man, each woman have things they're dealing with. And the only way you can be so, you know, have the goal, the mitigated goal to pick out what everybody else is doing, you must think you're perfect. You, you don't even feel that you have anything you need to work on. Because if you did, you wouldn't be so quick to pick out what everybody else is doing. And this is critical, brothers and sisters, because I, I see it many times when brothers, especially in Israelites, Israelites get the truth. And now this thing has become, you know, who can tell who what to do. And that's not doing the work, brothers and sisters. That is not doing the work. So you need to be careful, brothers and sisters, with this knowledge that you have and how you utilize it. You're not supposed to offend people. You're supposed to apply it to yourself and lead people by doing it yourself. That's what a leader does. Leader don't tell people what to do. A leader shows them what to do first. So that's what you need to be. We're going to move forward. We're going to Titus 1 and 15 to show you why you must cast out the beam in your own eye before in your brothers. We're going to Titus, brothers and sisters. We're going to uh, chapter 1, verse 15. Titus 1 and 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Read that again, brother. Verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. To the pure all things are pure, brothers and sisters. So if you're pure, you're not looking for <laughs> issues with everybody. In fact, you don't even see that. You see the strengths in those brothers and sisters. If you can't find that, you're not pure. Your conscience is seared. You've been defiled. You're unbelieving. There's nothing pure in you. If you can find something wrong with everything, you've lost your purity. You've lost it, sister. You've lost it, brother. You don't view people for their shortcomings. You view them for their strength and how you can get the most out of them for the most high. That's how you view people. You don't view them by... Oh, you know, they're weak on this or they don't know this or they're, they're, you know, they're struggling with this or they're struggling with that. That's not how you view people, brothers and sisters. Or you need to change this and change that. You just that's the intent of your heart. You're showing you're showing it. Even though you think you're correcting or exposing something, you're exposing yourself. That's what you're exposing. Because to the pure, all things are pure. So if you're pure, you're not looking to find a reason with everybody. Even if there is a reason, you're not looking for it. You need to view people in their strengths. Okay, listen, sister, you're strong at this. You're mentally strong. You, you know, you deal great in this and that. And you're going to help the work like this. You know, and if you put this down, then you can be even stronger. See, that's how you come from it. You come from it as a pers- from a perspective of building them up, not tearing them down. To the pure, all things are pure. So somebody who have a, an issue with everything and everybody, it speaks for itself, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Acts 5 and 38. Acts 5 verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if the, this counsel or this work be of men, it will not. It will come to naught. Brothers and sisters, read, read that one more time, brother. Verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. So, brothers and sisters, this was at a time where the disciples saw somebody else baptizing and healing. And they said, they're not with us. They were telling, you know, they were saying, they're not with us. 
And the most high response is for us to refrain. If somebody's doing some work outside of you, it can still be of the most high. And if it's not, it's going to fall down. So I don't need to go correct somebody about their doctrine. I don't need to go to somebody else's church and say, well, no, you have the most high's name wrong. I don't need to do that. <laughs> That's not my position. If it's not of the most high, it's going to fall down. So, brothers and sisters, if you see somebody who's dealing in a transgression, you don't have to go and correct it. Because if it's not of the most high, it's going to fall down. We're going to show you. Read 38 again, brother. Verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. It will come to nothing. Continue, brother. Verse 39. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. See, and that's why we don't, you know, we don't discourse with people who come against the church. Because they don't understand. This is not Coriandai's work. This is the Most High's work. So if you fight against this work, you're fighting against God himself. And you're not going to be able to overthrow it. We don't even need to defend it. Because the Most High is going to defend it. So, brothers and sisters, if you see something that, you know, you deem to be wrong or incorrect, leave it alone and let it fall. And if it don't fall, it shows you it's of the Most High. You don't need to go and attack everybody and everything. You don't need to do that. Only thing you need to do is teach the gospel, brothers and sisters. That's it. In, in the spirit of humility and truth. You don't need to go and correct everything about everybody everywhere all the time. A lot of people, that's what they do. They get the truth. They go right to their family and start nitpicking everything that their family did. Well, what you got in your refrigerator? The same food they raised you on. That's what they got in the refrigerator. Don't look down on people because you have knowledge now. That's something that we must attend to, brothers and sisters, because why? Israel struggles with humility. Our people are very prideful people, very proud people, even in the, the, the destitute state we're in today. Even in that state today. So brothers and sisters, if it's not of the most high, leave it alone. That's what I do. It says, let them alone. If I believe you're doing something that's not of the most high, I'm going to leave you alone. Period. And I'm just going to, if, if, if it continues to build, then hey, that's good. That's great. And if it doesn't, that speaks for itself too. So you don't have to be abrasive. You don't have to be confrontational, brothers and sisters. Even if somebody's wrong, let them go. Let it go. Let's go to Titus 3 and 10, brother. <clears throat> Titus 3, verse 10. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. So, brothers and sisters, we don't go to people more than three times, more than two times. After, listen, after the first time, you can go another time after they reject that. Now you start, you're going to become offensive, brothers and sisters. So if it's something that you want them to, you, you're trying to encourage them to do. Some things are not worth it, brothers and sisters. Of course, some doctrinal controversies are clearly important and worth defending vigorously. But also you have points, pointless issues that have no bearing on salvation or godly living. And those type of things we don't get into, brothers and sisters. There's a plethora of things within science and, you know, the, the, the shape of the earth. These are things we, we don't get into because it's pointless. It's, it, there's no major doctrinal issue at stake. So you must know when to hold them and when to fold them, brothers and sisters. When is something that's important enough that you want to share it? Now, if it's something about the doctrine, which is in Hebrews 6, about baptism, about hell, right? The resurrection, of course. 
But brothers and sisters, just picking and choosing what somebody's dealing with on a personal level. Now, if you bring forth that people need to be baptized, right? That's not trying to single out somebody. Now, if you are saying, well, this sister's doing this. Now you're trying to single out one thing that somebody's doing instead of just putting out there the truth for all. So this would be something that you should learn, brothers and sisters. Don't go to somebody more than two times. If they reject it, they reject it. Because if you continue to come to them, they're going to be offended. I've had people come to me with certain doctrines and I've rejected it multiple times. And they'll keep coming to me to where the point now I'm offended now because now it's heresy. Because why? It's unorthodox from what I believe. You know what I believe and you still bring it. So brothers and sisters, be easy not to offend by coming four, five, six times with the same thing that they've already rejected. We're going to we're going to move forward, brothers and sisters. We're going to John, uh, excuse me, James three and two. James three, verse two, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Right. So, brothers and sisters, there is a time that correction may be needed, but correction must be done wisely. See, because if you don't offend, then you can be a perfect man. You can work to perfection in regards to your fishing. Personally, I will never put pressure on a person to follow the things that I believe they should follow. That if somebody's forcing you, then listen, that's not going to work. You need to be able to come to the most high in the spirit of contriteness. Because why? If I tell somebody, well, sister, you shouldn't be doing this and doing that and doing this. It's right here in the Bible. Now she goes into, into the word with a grudging spirit. See? And she can't receive the word like that. See? So you got to understand that. You cannot. It, correction must be done wisely, brothers and sisters. It must be done wisely because if you if you if you force somebody to read something or to do something like that, then when they go into the scriptures, they're going to be grudging. They're going to be looking for a way for it to be wrong. See, instead of just going into it with a contrite spirit. So you have to allow them to be led by the spirit. You can't force them because it will not be contrite. And that's what you want. You don't want them to change on the outside. You want them to change on the inside. So, brothers and sisters, you must be aware that. Even in correction, it must be done wisely. We're going to Wisdom of Solomon 12 and 2. The apocryphal, brothers and sisters. Wisdom of Solomon 12, verse 2. Therefore, chasteneth thou them by little and little that offend, and warneth them by putting them in remembrance wherein they have offended, that leaving their wickedness, they may believe on the Most High. Right, so brothers and sisters. Remember when you were wrong, when somebody's attacking, then you need to remind them of what they were wrong about. That'll have them ease off, brothers and sisters, because there wasn't perfect at all times. So read, read that one more time, brother, please. Verse two, therefore, chasteneth thou them by little and little that offend and warneth them by putting them in remembrance, wherein they have offended that leaving their wickedness, they may believe on thee, O Oh, God. Right. So, brothers and sisters, you must understand who's going to receive the truth and who's not. You have friends who will receive it and you have friends who will not. Right. And you know who will be open to listen to certain things and you know who's not even before you try to give it to them. You know that you must use, you, you know, you must use your you must bridle your tongue and use your wisdom. Because why? If you're looking to offend people, 
they're, they're not going to receive it because they're offended. So even there's a way to word certain things and get, you know, the ideology across without offending somebody, brothers and sisters. So if somebody's doing this, then you need to remind them of when they were wrong and when the Most High had mercy on them and grace with them. And ask them to treat you the same way. Brothers and sisters, during this time of Jacob's trouble in the last days, we need to know, we need to have the wisdom of who are our friends? Who are our friends? You need that information in these last days, especially on this walk, because you're going to have a, a lot of uh, perpetrators who look like they're following the Most High God, but are looking to get into your home and destroy it from the inside. And you need to be aware of that. This is the wisdom, brothers and sisters, that you need while walking on this path. We're going to John 15 and 9. John 15, verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Right. Jump to verse uh, th- jump to verse 13, brother. John 15 and 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. There is no greater love than for a man to lay his life down for his friends, brothers and sisters. Verse 14, ye are my friends, if ye do whatever I command you. Right, so our friends are those who are following the commandments. That's who your friends are. You don't choose your, in this world, you know, you just call anybody your friend. Anybody who you share space with or knows your name, you call your friend. No, in these days, you need to know how to choose a friend, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 15, henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. That you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should be, should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it you. Right. So brothers and sisters, if you're doing the work, working in the vineyard, you're going you're gonna to get friends. You're also going to get a lot of enemies. You're going to get a lot of enemies, brothers and sisters. So what the Most High wants us to do is stay the course, be patient, and bring back fruit to the Most High in the spirit of love, not being brutish. And when it says, can you read 16 again, brother? Verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. The fruit should remain. That's the true fruit that's taking root because all, you know. Some some seed fall on stony ground. Everybody who looks like they're in it isn't. So those who've taken root in themselves is the true fruit, brothers and sisters. See? See, these are the things, these are the principles that we're going into because why? You're a fisher, you're 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 a gardener, you're a farmer working in the vineyard for the most high, trying to reap him fruit. And there's a certain way that you must utilize the knowledge that you have. In order to be efficient in the work of reaping fruit. So, brothers and sisters, we're going over the the, the principles, the biblical principles that will help you on this walk. You'll need wisdom, brothers and sisters, 
As an Israelite, you'll need wisdom because why? Israelites are getting a bad rap. You can go on YouTube now, type in Israelite, and probably the first 200 things that's going to pop up is angry black people yelling, calling the white man the devil, and all these other nonsensical things. So we're trying to give out the, the, the biblical principles that will help you walk as a servant in the spirit of meekness and humility and have your work be efficient for the Most High God. You need these, this, you need this brothers and sisters. In correction, in correction, you know, you, you can't correct if you're an antagonist. Let's just put it out there. The most effective correction takes place when the other person knows you love and care for them. If you go to set them straight or prove that he's wrong, but do not show genuine concern for him or her, he probably will not adopt the viewpoint that you're arguing for, even if it's biblical. So, brothers and sisters, allow, don't allow yourself to be what? To be drawn into quarrels. Even if somebody's not breaking, you know, even if somebody is breaking a particular law, don't allow yourself to be in quarrel because it's not effective. If you become in an argument over following the laws, it's not effective, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother, the last scripture? Verse 16. <clears throat> ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and the fruit that you should bring should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. Right. So brothers and sisters, we should go and bring forth fruit that the fruit that remains. Right. That's the true fruit that's taking root as you're working in the vineyard. You must be able to effectively bring forth the truth and correct when it, you know, when it may be necessary. But understand, if you if you're a person who's drawn into quarrels and discourse, you cannot be effective in the ministry of correction. That's not your forte. And that's OK. But what? As you're working in the vineyard, you can't just be ready to give credit because somebody knows a few scriptures. You must have works to be respected amongst those within the work. Because why? You'll have people who will come up, right? And they'll say, well, yeah, no man should follow a man. No, yeah, yeah. I'm out here on my own. I'm just learning on my own. And, you know, so, you know, you shouldn't for you, you. You you shouldn't learn wherever you're learning from. Right. See, you'll have that. Then you'll have what you'll have those who will come in as a verifier. They just come to see what you got, what's going on. They'll come and listen. Don't agree with anything. They're just there to see what's going on and how they can benefit or take from the work that you have established. You'll have that, brothers and sisters. So you need to know who is a friend. A friend is somebody who will lay down their life for you. That's what a friend is, brothers and sisters. We're going to go into it. Let's go to Ecclesiastes, excuse me, Ecclesiasticus and the Apographer, also Sirach, 37 and 1. Ecclesiasticus 37, verse 1. Every friend saith, I am his friend also, but there is a friend which is only a friend in name. Is it not a grief unto death when a companion and friend is turned to an enemy? It said, can you read verse 1 one more time, brother? Verse 1. Every friend saith, I am his friend also. See, so you need to understand what a true friend is, brothers and sisters. A true friend isn't somebody you know. It's not, oh, they know my name. That's my friend. No, no. Read it again, brother. Verse 1. Every friend saith, I am his friend also. But there is a friend which is only a friend in name. See, so you'll have those who claim that they know you or they're a friend because they've been in your presence. 
just because you've been in my presence doesn't mean you're my friend. So, brothers and sisters, you need to understand the difference between an, a, a, you know, a true friend and an associate. Because it's going to be critical in these days and times, brothers and sisters. Can you read verse 2? Verse 2. Is it not a grief unto death when a companion and friend is turned to an enemy? Right. Like what? Like who? Like Judas, brothers and sisters, right? So you'll have what? You'll have that one friend that's just, you know, trying to be associated by name. Don't even really know you. It, but they're using what? They're using, they have, you know, they're speaking negatives. And it has a, a serious evil intent outside of what he's presenting. You'll have that, brothers and sisters. Someone who claims they're a friend, but then yet the inf- what they're trying to bring is strife. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 2. Is it not a grief unto death when a companion and friend is turned into an enemy? O wicked imagination, whence cometh thou and it cover the earth with deceit? There is a companion which rejoices in the prosperity of a friend, but in the time of trouble will he be against him. See, so while everything's going good, brothers and sisters, you'll have the friends that they're always around, right? They're always around because everything's good. But when trouble comes, or something happened, brothers and sisters, they will be against you. Because why? They're not truly a friend. They're there for what they can gain. You, we'll have that. We've had, we'll have it here. We'll have people come in, learn everything that they know through us, and then use it against us. And then go turn it around on us. That'll happen, brothers and sisters. You'll have people that are going to do that. So you need to be able to identify what a true friend is, who a true friend is. Because why? A true friend is a gem. You can't put value on that. Can you read verse, uh, read verse 4, brother? Ecclesiasticus 37 and 4. There is a companion which rejoiceth in the prosperity of a friend, but in a time of trouble will be against him. There is a companion which helpeth his friend for the belly and taketh up the buckler against the enemy. See? So you'll have some people... You know, when you on top, when you eating, and everybody eating, they're there with you. They're laughing and giggling with you. But truly, they're just waiting for you to fall. So then they can say, yeah, you know, I, I used to know the brother and I knew he was going through some things that he shouldn't have been doing. And, uh, you know, the most I had to judge him. See, people have come like that. In this world, we have a skewed view of what a friend is. By what? We, we usually choose friends by what? What somebody can do for you, right? Or, or, or you have common goals and you begin to operate within the same space. But what? That's not a friend. That's not a friend, brothers and sisters, because why? You'll have some people who are just around, just seeing what you got going on, just checking you out, what you have, absorbing everything that they will be able to use against you in the future. So you need to know that, brothers and sisters. You need to know that. Somebody will be all around you examining you the whole time as soon as you break a law. See? So you must you must show me you're a friend. You must prove that you're a friend, brothers and sisters. The Bible teach you about that. It teach you how to prove a friend. We can't just be listen. We can't just be hanging around because we you know because you're black. No, you need to prove that you're a friend. Both ways. That's what the Bible's telling you, brothers and sisters. Because why it's going to be critical during this time that we have coming up. The jackboots are coming. They're coming. The Romans are coming, brothers and sisters. And you're going to need to be amongst friends. So everybody up in this church is going to be friends. We're going to make sure of it. Because why? If you like somebody, you love somebody, you will protect them. Right? 
we're not going to just be with each other because we're black. No. We become friends because this is what's going to help us when we have to leave, when we have to be traveling as a pilgrim, as a pilgrim on the earth. When the governments come to take us down, which will happen. You'll need true friends, brothers and sisters. This is the wisdom that you're going to need. We're going to Ecclesiasticus chapter 6, same book, just a few chapters up. We're going to start at verse 1. Ecclesiasticus 6, verse 1. Instead of a friend, become not an enemy. For thereby thou shalt inherit all ill name and ill name, shame and reproach. Even so shall a sinner that hath a double tongue. Brothers and sisters, instead of a friend, become not an enemy. So just because you don't agree with somebody or you're not a friend doesn't mean you, you need to be their enemy. So you, it, just because somebody don't agree with something don't mean that I'm against them. See, somebody who's dealing in that spirit of, oh, if you don't agree with me, you know, you're against me. That's not the spirit. Because why? If you do so, you will inherit that ill name, shame, reproach. See, and people are going to come against you. They may not come against you physically, but in their mind, they're like, oh, I got to watch out for that person. See, Re read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus 6 verse 1. Instead of a friend, become not an enemy. For thereby thou shalt inherit an ill name, shame and reproach. Even so shall a sinner that hath a double tongue. A double tongue, brothers and sisters. That's not a friend. Verse 2. Extol not thyself in the counsel of thine own heart, that thy soul be not torn in pieces as a bull string alone. Right. So if you think you know it all, right? You know it all. You're alone. You know, I don't learn from men. I'm just out here, you know, right? That's what they want. That's what Satan wants. You have no one to nourish you, so you'll wither away. That's what's going to happen. Satan needs you alone, so he can be the only voice you hear. See? Because it says what? It says, like a bull straying alone. Because why? A bull strays alone because it's people are afraid that it will attack them. It'll just attack you if you're around it. So people stay away from it. See? So if you become this... You're going to end up alone like a bull, straying alone. See? Satan needs you alone. He wants you alone. In order to be a friend, you actually, to be a true friend, you actually have to sacrifice part of yourself and what you want for the benefit of your friend. You must know what a true friend is, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 3. Thou shalt eat up thy leaves. And lose thy fruit and leave thyself as a dry tree. Jump to verse 7, brother. Verse 7. If thou wouldest get a friend, prove him first. Read that again, brother. Verse 7. If thou wouldest get a friend, prove him first. Right, see? Prove him first. A lot of times because somebody knows a scripture, we, we give them all this adulation. No. You need to prove yourself as a friend. And we can start it off by this. The only thing we're going to get from each other right now is friendship. You're not getting anything else from me until we prove that you're a friend. Because why? I need to know if you agree with these commandments. That's how I prove you. We need to be able to do that. So I can know, <laughs> you know, if we're in a hard situation outside of the country or something, that you're not dealing with sin amongst me. See? So this is how you prove him first, brothers and sisters. Read verse 7 one more time, brother, please. Verse 7. If thou wouldst get a friend, prove him first, and be not hasty to credit him. We must prove him, because why, brothers and sisters? Some friends come because they can benefit from what you've done. 
So some people will come into what you've already built and try to benefit from it instead of working from the ground up like you did. That's what will happen, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse, verse 8. For some man is a friend for his own occasion. It will not abide in the day of thy trouble. See? So they got their own intentions of why they're there. You need to know that, brothers and sisters. You need to know why somebody's there. You need to prove them. What's the intent? And it may take some time. So don't just throw that word friend out there. Have your friends prove themselves by screening them through the Bible. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. For some man is a friend for his own occasion and will not abide in the day of thy trouble. And there is a friend who being turned to enmity and strife will discover thy reproach. See, so you got to be careful, brothers and sisters, when you have certain people around you, especially there'll be a time where they've been all around you, all in your space, in your home. But at some time they began to dislike something about you. Or they're looking to discover your weakness. And they know that what? If they promote what they found, it will have a negative reflection on you. See? So that's why you got to be careful of who you invite, sitting down and meet with and inviting all into your home. Read, read uh, start at eight one more time, brother. Verse eight. For some man is a friend for his own occasion. It will not abide in the day of thy trouble. And there is a friend who being turned to enmity and strife will discover thy reproach. Again, some friend is a companion at the table and will not continue in the day of thy affliction. But in thy prosperity, he will be as thyself and will be bold over thy servant. See, in prosperity, he'll be there. <laughs> he'll be outspoken too. See, until come that time where there's some trouble. Continue, brother. Verse 12. If thou be brought low, he will be against thee. See, so he's just waiting for you to be brought low. He's with you while you're high, but really he just want you. He like, well, you know what? I'm going to eat too. I'm going to act like I'm there. But when he gets, when he's brought low, that's when I'll show because he's low now. See? So you got to know who a friend is, especially in this truth. Because why? One of Christ only had 12 friends and one of them had him killed, brothers and sisters. So you need to, you know, prove these people who are around you as you're working through the truth, brothers and sisters. You need to be able to prove people. Read verse 12 again, brother, please. Verse 12. If thou be brought low, he will be against thee and will hide himself from thy face. Separate thyself from thine enemy. Read that again, brother. Verse 13. Separate thyself from thine enemy. See, somebody who's an enemy is somebody who's take absorbing everything they can see to go against you, brothers and sisters. See, you need to separate from that. Separate from backbiters, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 13. Separate thyself from thine enemy and take heed of thy friends. It says take heed of thy friends because why? A true friend is like a diamond in a rough. It's hard to find a true friend, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 14. A faithful friend is a strong defense. And he that hath found such as one has found a treasure. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. A faithful friend is a strong defense. And he that hath found such a one hath found a treasure. It says a strong defense. What does that mean? It means they would know your faults and not look to publish them before the world. They wouldn't look to smear you. They would have something maybe that they see that could be viewed as a weakness, even if it's not. And then they, would go, they wouldn't go on a campaign against you, brothers and sisters. You need to know 
who your friends are and what you can do to sustain that relationship if it's a true friend, right? Because why? You, as you know, if you have somebody who you think is a friend in your home or amongst you, you should be able to operate freely around them. And they're watching you critiquing everything you do. You, when you're with your friends, you should just be able to freely speak. But this person is really just taking a tally on everything that they can use against you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. A faithful friend is a strong defense. And he that hath found such an one hath found a treasure. Right. See, a faith, uh, it says a strong defense. It's just like a wife, right? A wife, you know, you'll have a husband and he'll leave his socks around or something, right? And the wife will just pick them up and just put them away. Why? Because she's keeping the dignity of her husband. She cleans up after him. She keeps his discretion. She don't promote, oh yeah, he leaves things around the house. She don't do that. See, that's a good, a faithful friend. That's how it should be, brothers and sisters. And personally for me, uh, you know, there's never going to come a time where even if somebody's dealing in the transgression, I'm not going to let another brother attack that person in my presence. And I'm not defending sin, but I'm not going to take allow you to take the opportunity to dance on their grave because they may be dealing in some level of transgression or you may have something that you may deem as a weakness. No. See, so a faithful friend is a defense, brothers and sisters. Just like a wife and a husband. Because why? Any weakness she puts out there, Satan will use to destroy the house. See? So you must know, brothers and sisters, who a true friend is. You need that wisdom. You need that wisdom. We're going to Ecclesiasticus chapter 12 and 8. We're going to read 8 through 12. Ecclesiasticus 12 verse 8. A friend cannot be known in prosperity. And an enemy cannot be hidden in adversity. See, when everything's going good, you don't know who your enemies are, brothers and sisters. Continue, Verse, brother. Verse 9. In the prosperity of a man, enemies will be greedy. See, so when they see you getting better or more notoriety or your righteousness have toppled theirs, right? Or the church is growing in the most high, a highest name. See, they upset. They're upset with that. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. In the prosperity of a man, enemies will be grieved. But in his adversity, even a friend will depart. Never trust thine enemy. For like an iron rusted, so is his wickedness. So brothers and sisters, adversity really shows who's together. It really does. So adversity can be used to help perfect the work. Can you read that last scripture again, brother? Verse 10. Never trust thine enemy. For like an iron rusted, so is his wickedness. Right. So eventually an enemy will show who they are. Just like eventually iron rust. Continue, brother. Verse 11. Though he, go, though he humble himself and go crouching, yet take a good heed and beware of him. See, because the enemy always humbles. They always come humble. Beware, brothers and sisters. They always come humble. Well, yeah, you know, I really, I was trying to help the brother, but, you know, he just, he just didn't, he just didn't get it. They're always going to come humble, brothers and sisters. But there's an intent behind it. It's an intent of their heart. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 11. Though he humble himself and go crouching, yet take a good heed and beware of him. And thou shalt be unto him as if thou hast wiped a looking glass. And thou shalt know that his rust hath not been altogether wiped away. Set him not by thee, lest when he hath overthrown thee. Read, read that again, brother. Verse 12. Set him not by thee, lest when he hath overthrown thee, 
he stand up in thy place. Never, neither let him sit at thy right hand, lest he seek to take thy seat. See, so you can't sit with an enemy, brothers and sisters. See, because why? They're they're coming they're 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 coming together with a plan to circumvent your work. See, so of course you're gonna love your enemy. That don't mean put him in position to destroy you. See, it says set him not by thee. Because why? What does righteousness have to do with unrighteousness? What does evil have to do with good? What does Christ have to do with Satan? Nothing at all. So read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. Set him not by thee, lest when he hath overthrown thee, he stand up in thy place. See, he's looking to overthrow you. Neither let him sit at thy right hand, lest he seek to take thy seat. And thou at the last remember my words. See, so you'll have people who are, you know, are, you know, they can't get any recognition other than standing on the head of their brother and attacking somebody. And toppling them. See? You'll have that out there, brothers and sisters. You, you need to examine the people who are around you. And examine your behavior, your wisdom that you're using in the truth to walk. Let's go to Matthew 5.44, brother. Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. See, so we personally, we get attacked all the time. The church gets attacked all the time. And our answer is bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Bless you. We love you anyway. We love you anyway. Because why? I Listen, why should I take out? the? T why should we take out our time to attack somebody? No. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. See, we pray for you because, listen, you the scriptures tell you you're going against the most high. If you're being led by the most high and somebody's coming against you, then they're actually working against the most high. Just like Christ said, forgive them for they know not what they do. We don't curse them. Even in the streets, when we're out on the streets, you know, uh, you know, teaching and stuff. You know, they'll come up with people who don't agree and are a little aggressive. And I'm like, okay, brother, well, you know what? I love you anyway, brother. I love you anyway. Because I'm not going to go get into a quarrel or a discourse with my brother before the world. That actually is backwards. I'm not going to discourse or go against my brother before the world. See? So even if somebody's coming against you, or slandering you or attacking you, you pray for them and you tell them, listen, I bless you, brother. I love you. I love you. I love you anyway. Because why? It's going to expose who they are. See? Let's go to Proverbs, brother. 6 and 16. Wisdom scriptures. Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate. Yes, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. So... Brothers and sisters, these are the things that the Most High hates. Read, read, read those again, brother. Verse seventeen. Verse seventeen: A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that devises the wicked imagination, and feet that be swift and running to mischief. See, so feet that are swift running to mischief. That means there's a rumor, and you're running to hear it to see if it's true. In fact, you may be, you may be the one spreading it. You reap what you sow, brothers and sisters. You give respect to the absent. Honor their integrity. Murmuring and complaining, 
is it, that's wrong. Can you read it again, brother? Verse 18. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, and feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and him that soweth discord among brethren. See, so you'll have people who will come to try to speak to you in private and not put it out there in front of everybody because they want to get you, you know, where there's no protection, where those who respect you can't protect you. So they'll come to you in private or say, yeah, e you know, private email me and, you know, I'll tell you why I'm not with the brother no more or why I don't like the sister no more. See, so they're sowing discord. The Bible says if it's not of the most high, it's going to fall. So you don't need to do that. You don't need to be a false witness and go and slander people, brothers and sisters. And what? It's a transaction. So you must reject that transaction. Don't listen because the spirit may enter you now because and, and cause you to have a problem with your brother. So don't listen to it. Don't be quick to hearsay, brothers and sisters. Don't be quick to that because that spirit may jump into you now. And now you pick up that banter, that banter. That's not of the Most High. These are the things that the Most High hate, brothers and sisters. These are the things that he hate. So even if there's been times where, you know, I may have a disagreement with a brother and, you know, we split up for a little while and nobody even knows. And then we come back together because why? Nothing negative was put out there. So that left room for reconciliation. But if you do split for a time because you're having a difference in opinion or the doctrine is different and you're putting, you're throwing stuff out there, how can you ever, how can you can... How can there be reconciliation? So, brothers and sisters, as you're on this walk, even if it's your family, you need to, a time from your family because certain things they don't like about you. Maybe you're following certain laws and whatever, right? Don't, don't put negative in the air. That should be amongst you two, not amongst everybody else, brothers and sisters. See? So don't be sowing discord among brethren or sisters. Don't do that. That's against the most high. And if you do that, that's going to hinder your chance to do the work now. And see, that's really what it's about. It's really about how can you do the work if you're, if you're doing these things? Because why? Nobody wants to learn anything from you if you're dealing in this spirit. Period. We're going to Wisdom of Solomon 1 and 5. The Apographer, brothers and sisters. Wisdom of Solomon 1 verse 5. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding. It will not abide when the unrighteousness cometh in. See, so we must be careful about thoughts. See, in the event that the opportunity presents itself for you to, you know, to correct somebody, you must be cognizant of your true intent. Why are you trying to correct somebody? Are you trying to correct them because you want them to be better? Or are you trying to correct them because you want them to do what you said do? See, that, that's the difference. Because why? If you're dealing, if the intent of your heart isn't right, the Holy Spirit will flee. No matter what you're saying, oh yeah, well, you know, I just want to know if you was going to follow the law of Moses and, and stone her because she was an adulterer. See, the heart wasn't right. So the Holy Spirit is not there. See, no matter what you're saying out of your mouth, you cannot deceive the Most High and the Holy Spirit. They know what the intent of your heart is. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding and will not abide when unrighteousness cometh in. Right. So even if the time for correction does come, you must be genuine and come in the spirit of love, brothers and sisters. We're going over principles that will help you be a skillful fisherman or fisherwoman. 
This is what we're going over, brothers and sisters. We're going to Matthew 12 and 34, the gospel. Oh, excuse me. Matthew chapter 12 and 34 through 37. Matthew 12, verse 34. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasures of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Right, so whatever's in your heart, brothers and sisters, will manifest. Whatever's in your heart will manifest through your actions. See? So, brothers and sisters, you must learn to be patient. Be Sometimes be quiet and listen. Because there's certain things transpiring around you and you need to know who's around you. You may be the one. You may be the cane out of the brothers. And you need to examine that. If that's you, then you need to examine that. And talk to the Most High about it. Because no, none of us want to believe we're the, <laughs> the unrighteous one. But some of us are. So, brothers and sisters, how can you be evil, speak good things? Read that from the top, brother, please. Matthew 12 and 34. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of, out of the good treasures of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Right, so each word that you speak, you, you speak, you will give account for, brothers and sisters. So if, if you want to correct somebody, you believe that it's the opportunity has presented itself, understand this, the correction must be done wisely and in love, most importantly. Most importantly, and if you're not going to do it from a place of love, you don't need to do it. Because why? The Holy Spirit knows, the Most High knows the intent of your heart. Even if what you're saying is biblically sound, if the intent isn't right, you're wrong, and that's a sin. And you're not a skillful fisher. Let's go to Hebrews 4 and 12 to solidify that point. Hebrews chapter 4, 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4. Verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and even the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And a discerner of what? The thoughts and intents of the heart. See, see, so it's about your thoughts and your intents. It's what you're thinking. It's not what you're saying. He's thinking about your heart, which the intent. Someday we will stand before him to give account of our lives. So we must judge our sins on a thought level. And especially we must be on guard against the damnable sin of self-righteousness. See, we must deal with, we must come from a spirit of genuine love and caring if you're going to correct somebody. Right? Why? Because genuine love and caring, you're not trying, we're not trying to say that you're wrong. What we're trying to say is that you would be much better if you follow certain laws. You would be much more powerful. See, see, that's how you come like that. So if there is a time that presents itself where you need to bring forth some level of correction, how do you do it? In wisdom. The way in which it needs to be done is from an empowering standpoint. From an empowering perspective, you're looking to empower the person that you're correcting 
not to demean them or degrade them or discourage them. So if you have a sister who's dressing uh, a tad bit revealing, she have her chest pushed up to her chin, then how would you address that? The way in which you address that is you need to show the sister the value within following the law and how, in fact, her value will increase. So sister, um, you know, you're a beautiful young lady and the most high have blessed you with certain gifts such as your tenacity, your courage, your strength mentally, your spirit, your vision. And the most high would love to utilize those gifts that he blessed you with. The only way he can utilize you though, sisters, if you dress modestly, if you dress modestly, sister, you would be virtually unstoppable spiritually through the spirit of the most high. So sister, you know, the most high, will, you, you'll receive the recognition, sister, but the most high could utilize those gifts that he gave you if you dress modestly. See, that is the way in which you would need to come in the spirit of love and humility and meekness when you're dealing with correction. If you had a brother who was struggling with fornication, you would come to that brother and say, brother, I understand the, the frustration of the things that transpire on a day to day. You know, I understand the temptation, brother. But if you withstand that temptation, the most high have a reward for you. It's a rulership. It's a kingdom. It's dominion. It's the position for you to govern the earth, brother. The only thing is, the agreement is, we got to abide by certain laws, brother. So if you are able to put down that particular transgression, it would empower you. You would be in your full strength, brother. And the most high God would be able to use you to do a great work for Christ, for him. So, brother, you know, you're better than to abuse yourself. That's self-abusing, brother. You're demoralizing yourself. You're better than that, brother. You're a king. And we got to show it within our behavior, brother. That's how you come to a brother who's struggling with fornication. You have a family member, right? Who's eating pork, crab, shrimp, lobster. You don't come down and condemn the sister or the brother. The way that you come to them is show them the value in following the law. See? You got to show it from a positive perspective. Sister, I noticed, you know. I used to love those foods, too. I ate a lot of pork, crab, shrimp, and lobster, and it tastes good, too. And I, I had a lot of fun while doing it. But the flip side is this, sister. The reality of the situation is this. You are queen, and the Most High God do not want you to eat certain foods, because why? He want you to live as long as possible without medication, sister. The Most High loved you. You're his greatest creation. And he wants you to live a long time. Therefore, he could utilize you to bring people to Christ. Only thing is, certain foods make us sick. Certain foods shorten our lifespan, sister. So if you was able to put those things down, the Most High God would not only bless you, right? But he would empower you and give you a long, and bless you with a long, healthy, medication-less life. So these are the ways, brothers and sisters, so forth and so on, in which you need to come if you're going to correct somebody. 
You need to come in the spirit of being genuinely concerned in the spirit of love, humility, and meekness, not to condemn them or make it seem as if you know more than them or you're better than them. You have to show them the value in following the law and putting down transgression. Therefore, they'll make that decision on their own. See, that's the way, brothers and sisters. And as you continue to study and spend more time with the Most High, he will show you how to sharpen your fishing skills, brothers and sisters. But if you if you must correct, the, this is the place that you must come from. Empowerment. Not demoralization, not condemnation. Let's go to First Timothy's one, brother. We're going to First Timothy's chapter one. We're going to read verse eight, brother. First Timothy one verse eight. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. See, to prove you that there's a way that you could use the Bible unlawfully. See. So the Bible is good if you use it to build people up, not tear them down. See? So these are the principles, brothers and sisters, we must utilize. They are critical and pivotal of, you know, to be effective in the work, to be a fisherman, to be able to reap fruit. We understand that sometimes there comes a time where there needs to be correction, but every time is not that time. And sometimes there needs to be correction, but not from you. So ponder on that too. Ponder on that. You don't need to take the opportunity to grandstand all the time. Read that one more time, brother, please. First Timothy one verse eight. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. See, to show you that the law could be used unlawfully. Let's go to Matthew seven twenty eight. You have to deal be in the spirit of love, in humility, in meekness. Because that's genuine. And people, when you're being genuine, people can understand that. And they can accept that. Matthew 7, verse 28. And it came to pass, when Christ had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. See, so brothers and sisters, understand, when you're in Christ, there's authority in your doctrine. The Pharisees just wanted to point out laws that you're not following. But the authority is in the teachings, not in you telling people what to do. See? It's not about telling people what to do. The authority is in what you're teaching. See? And brothers and sisters need to understand that. Because you, you, if you do it, try to gain authority by telling people what to do, you're going to not have people's respect. You want people to respect you even when you're not in the room. See, because it's easy somebody to respect you because they're scared of you and standing there. But do they respect you when you walk out of the room? So understand that the authority comes in the teachings of Christ, not through you telling people what they're doing wrong. And see, that's why the people gravitated towards Christ, because he had the love and he had the doctrine that couldn't be gainsaid. Not telling everybody what they're doing wrong. We're going to go to Matthew six twenty two, brother. Matthew 6 and 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. When it says it be single, when thy eyes shall be single or whole, it's talking about full. It's talking about full or whole. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, 
Thy whole body shall be full of light. Right. So single is whole. If your eye is light, then your whole body is full of light. Continue, brother. Verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? See, how great is that darkness? If that light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See? So, brothers and sisters, if all you see is the negative... Then it shows that you're dark inside. Or everything is dark. Because everything you put out there is evil. I don't want to see evil stuff. <laughs> I know what's going on out there in the world. I don't want to keep talking about it and seeing it. I don't want to talk about what everybody's doing wrong and what they need to change. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about how right they are. When I come to somebody and I, there's something that may need to be corrected, I tell them everything they're doing right first. Maybe not everything because I, could, I can go on for days. But I'll tell them, listen, brother, you are strong. You're strong mentally. You're patient. You're understanding. You have a teachable spirit. And if you added this, you'd be even greater, brother. Add this to your arsenal. You'll be unstoppable. See? You come from it that way. You tell them. You show them all the good things within them. And then you give them something that'll take them up another level. Not tearing them down by telling them that they're wrong. You have to view people, even correction, from the positive in somebody. Not what they're doing wrong. This is, the, this is the wisdom, brothers and sisters, that you're going to need. This is the wisdom you're going to need, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus chapter 20 and the Apographer, brothers and sisters. We've got a few more scriptures. We'll close it out. Ecclesiasticus 20, verse 1. Therefore is a reproof that is not comely. Again, some man holdeth his tongue, and he is wise. You see? So, brothers and sisters, there's sometimes you should just hold your tongue. And that, that would be wise, because why? There's a time and a place for everything. And every time is not the time to bring forth correction. See? And as you continue to walk, you'll understand what that means on a, on a different level. As you continue to grow and learn. Because why? Experience shape how you view things. So you will understand, okay, maybe we're not in a position, we're out in public, it's maybe not a time, you know. Or the spirit, the, the person is being having a combative spirit, they're being argumentative, that's not the time. See? So you got to understand how to tell time in regards to sharing the truth. Jump to verse 6 and 7, brother. Verse 6. Some man holdeth his tongue because he hath not to answer, and some keepeth silence knowing his time. See? Because why? If you know when to speak, you'll be more effective. It's not effective to just speak at any time. Be calculated with, with the things that you're saying, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 7. A wise man will hold his tongue till he see opportunity, but a babbler and a fool will regard no time. See? So if you're going to be a skilled fisherman, you got to know how to fish, when to fish. See, you got to know when to hold your tongue, when to hold them, and when to fold them. You can't always use every opportunity to try to correct somebody or bring forth truth. You're showing how foolish you are and how immature you are in the truth. That's what you're showing. Jump to verse 18, brother. Verse 18. To slip upon a pavement is better than to slip with the tongue. So the fall of the wicked shall come speedily. Right. See? So... A slip of the payment would be better than slip with the tongue. See? So, brothers and sisters, especially in the truth, you have to be careful of the things that you say and how you're saying it because it could be used against the work. 
It, because why? If you even if you did something personally to somebody, if you are connected to the work, they're going to reject the work, even though it was a personal issue that they had with you. So you got to be very critical of the things that you're saying because this is this is you know this this truth is it's the gospel. It's nothing more pure. And brothers and sisters deserve a chance to be able to receive it willfully, willingly. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 6 and 17. Now, are we saying you can't correct people? You shouldn't correct people? No, we're not saying you can't. You can, but you got to know the time and place. You got to know there's certain people who are not going to receive it. Read verse 17, brother. Ecclesiastes 6 and 17. Whoso feareth the Most High shall direct his friendship aright. For as he is, so shall his neighbor be also. Right. So we're not saying you can't give counsel to somebody, right? Because it says, direct your friendship aright. See? So even if you're dealing with correction, correction must be done with gentleness. It must be done with gentleness, brothers and sisters. See? You can't use somebody as a stepping stone to be recognized. That's not how you use it, brothers and sisters. You use it in meekness and humility. Verse 18. We're actually going to, we're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 32 and 8. And we have three more scriptures after that. Ecclesiasticus 32, verse 8. Ecclesiasticus 32 and 8. Let thy speech be short, comprehending much and few words, but as one that knoweth and yet holdeth his tongue. See, so let your speech be short. When there is an opportunity for you to bring forth some understanding, make it short. Make it direct. Don't try to draw it out and try to make you seem deep because you're going to lose the opportunity to be short, comprehending much in few words. You got to know how to put a bunch of information into a few words. You need to be skilled on that, not to have a long, drawn out dissertation, because if you do that, they're going to feel like you're trying to teach them something. And a lot of times in certain environments, they're going to reject that. Brothers and sisters, so you must be short. Understand that because I, I hear it all the time. Brothers finally get an opportunity, and then they take you know, they'll take two, three minutes on you know, just giving something that should have been short and something that should have been direct. That's even in classes. You know, a lot of people are in church classes, and you'll have a brother who thinks he knows something, and he'll get the opportunity to speak, and then he'll start, he'll make a whole new class now. He's going over 20, 30 minutes. Like brother or sister, you know, you have the opportunity, but be short. Put a lot into few. That's what we need to do, brothers and sisters. These are the critical and pivotal principles in regards to what? To walking in the truth. To being fishers of men. These are the principles, brothers and sisters. We must follow these principles. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 28 and 14. Ecclesiasticus 28 and 14. A backbiting tongue hath disquieted many and driven them from nation to nation. Strong cities hath it pulled down and overthrown the houses of great men. A backbiting tongue has cast out virtuous women and deprived them of their labor. So brothers and sisters... Even though you may have the opportunity or you may be correct in reproving somebody, you must understand how to do it and when to do it. What is your goal bringing this transgression to light? Do you just want to argue and prove that you're right? Or are you concerned about godliness and love? 
quarreling or winning an argument doesn't lead anyone to Christ, nor does it build your brother in true godliness. If you, if you must correct, your aim should be to help your brother grow in the Lord. So correction must be done wisely. Brothers and sisters, you must control your tongue. We're going to Ecclesiastes in the Bible, the traditional Bible. We're going to read chapter 3, verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. So brothers and sisters, there's a time and place for all things. And we must understand how to tell time. If you don't understand how to tell time, you're not going to be beneficial or efficient working within the venue. Know when to hold your tongue, when not to hold your tongue. Understand how to word certain things and not lay upon people a burden or distress. Look to empower them by giving them the law, not to tear them down. You figure out how to do that and you will bring back, you will bring much fruit. To the Most High God. Much fruit. We're going to show you. we got two more scriptures. Wisdom of Solomon 8 and 12. Wisdom of Solomon 8 verse 12. When I hold my tongue, they shall bide my leisure. And when I speak, they shall give good ear unto me. If I talk much... They shall lay their hands upon their mouth. What this is saying is if you don't speak as much, you'll be listened to. See? So even though you have the knowledge, you don't need to every conversation or anytime you're around somebody, you they need to feel like they're standing next to Christ himself. Where if they do anything, you're just like, oh, no. Oh, what is that? What is that eating? Let me see the ingredients. Oh, you ain't got your hair covered, sister. Oh, you got on leggings, sister. See? If you listen and be quiet more. You'll be listened to when it comes time to bring forth some level of correction. But if you got something to say about everything, nobody wants to accept that because you got something to say about everything. So you need to know what things you need to act on and what things you don't. There's certain things that, that that don't need to be corrected. Certain things they'll just learn on their own. It's not our position to be, you know, the verifiers of the law where we need to just go correct everybody. No, some people are going to learn through just learning the Bible. They'll start to read it more and then they'll say, oh, I didn't even realize that was wrong. I'm going to stop doing that. And see, that's what you want. You need them to go into the Bible with the spirit of contriteness. If they're going into the Bible to prove what you're saying is wrong because you're saying, oh, you need to have your hair covered or whatever, then they're already going into it with the wrong spirit and they're not going to receive it even if they see it because you put the wrong spirit on them to go into the book. You got to empower them to go into the book and to want to change their behavior. And I hope brothers and sisters gain that particular skill. Our last scripture is Ecclesiasticus chapter 6, verse 5. Ecclesiasticus 6 and 5. Sweet language will multiply friends, and a fair speaking tongue will increase kind greetings. Right, so brothers and sisters, walking in this truth, you must speak admirably about people. People must like you because why? If people like you, there's a better possibility that they're going to allow you to teach them because they like you. 
even if they don't agree, they will let you be heard. See? So I'm not telling you to butter people up and lie to them, but be likable, brothers and sisters. Some people say, well, I don't need to be liked because it's the truth. I don't care if you like me or not. And then what? Then you go punch in from nine to five, right? Yes, sir. No, sir. See? So brothers and sisters, don't make a fool out of yourself. Kind language will multiply friends and you'll be able to have an effect on those friends in regards to bringing them closer to Christ. So you must speak admirably about people. Any person, anytime I'm around a friend of mine or somebody and I get an opportunity to boast them up, I do just that. I do just that. It makes me feel good. If you can't give somebody a compliment, right, then you're not a leader. You're not in any position to tell anybody what they're doing is right or wrong. So, brothers and sisters, sweet language will multiply friends. A fair speaking tongue will increase kind greetings. We want to be liked by all people, gentle, right? The Bible said, you know, as a, as a sheep amongst wolves, wise as a serpent, right? Harmless as a dove. We bring in that knowledge. We're going to bring that truth. We're going to drop the hammer. But we're going to be righteous and caring and long-suffering and humble while doing it. That's the way that you walk in this truth, brothers and sisters. So we went today, we went into a, a diatribe. We went into dialogue today about how to operate with wisdom in the truth. Brothers and sisters, you must search out your own salvation because you're not going to get into the kingdom based on someone else's morals or merits. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. 